come to kindergarten class. The Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we have another interview that I think you'll really enjoy. It's with Peggy and Michelle of Homer Learning. Tell me how you found Homer. Well, I have nine iPads in my classroom this year. Wow, lucky. Nine iPads and I really wanted to get a lot of bang for my buck. So there's a lot of free educational apps out there, but you know... Sometimes they come with ads. Yeah, they have a lot of ads, and yeah, and I was just trying to figure out what's the best way to utilize this technology in a way that helps with the learning, you know, and is not just more screen time because the kids mm-hmm. get plenty of screen time. And then I found the app Homer Learning, which actually has some research behind it, and has an independent research study showing that kids who use it uh, learn to read faster. And then I found that if you're a teacher, they'll provide you with free accounts for your students. Teachers love free. So I had our tech person in the building download the app, and I went to their website, got myself a free account, and started having the kids use Homer during my guided reading lessons. And they love it. And I love that they're listening to stories and answering comprehension questions. And I had a kid write me a write me a note yesterday saying, I love you, teacher. And he was so cute. He made a list of all the reasons why he loves having me as a teacher. It was so sweet. And it was like, dear teacher, I love you because you taught me the T-H-E, T-H-E song. <laughs> Shout out to Heidi. <laughs> and what else did he say? I can't remember the other things on the list except for the T-H-E song and you'd let me play Homer was one of his <laughs> other things that he was glad I was You know, teacher. that's really the measure of what is working and what is good for kids. Because like Heidi's songs, the T-H-E song, it really works and engages kids. Mm-hmm. So that is a great way for me to know that this is worth listening to and I want to investigate Homer yeah. because... If it has that much meaning to a student, it's something I want to pay attention to. Well, and I have, you know, if they're they're doing it during guided reading, I can't always have my eye on what they're doing. So I also have my daughter using it at home so I can see what's going on in the app. And it's so fun to watch her because she'll play a song. I have one of their songs in my head all the time now because she plays it all the time. What's your favorite color? Color. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Color. And then at the end it asks, What's your favorite color? And she pushes record and tells it, My favorite color is the rainbow. And then it plays it back and then it says, Now draw a picture of something that's your favorite color. <laughs> yes, I love it. All the comprehension stuff that's going on. And, oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So. Peggy, we'll, we'll turn it over to Peggy and Michelle, and they can tell us more about their product. Okay. My name's Peggy Kay, and I'm the Chief Learning Officer at Homer, a digital program designed to help children learn how to read, and it's designed for children from two to six years old. And I'm also the author of of books about games that parents can play to help their children learn. 
And can you tell us a little bit about your background? I was a classroom teacher for a long time, and then I was and currently am a tutor of children, broad range kids who are uh, have learning issues, learning problems, as well as kids who are eager for enrichment. Um, and I also am, as I said, the author of five books that begin with the word games. So I believe in a playful approach to learning. Um, and so I navigate my time between working directly with children and working on writing for children, creating the Homer app for children, along with my colleagues. Um, and that's been uh, many years. <laughs> I'm Michelle Lazaro. I am the learning production manager here at Homer, which basically means I work um, with the learning team as well as with the content production team and kind of you know bridge the gap between them. I am a former preschool teacher. I have a master's in early childhood special and general education as well as a master's in digital media design for learning. Um, so that I. So I've worked in general ed and special ed settings for many years before I came to Homer to help design and develop the curriculum. And that is why that must be why I love Homer so much because we have <laughs> teachers behind it. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Can you talk a little bit? Just give an introduction of what Homer is for the teachers who are listening. It's we are committed to the idea that um, children are eager to learn how to read, they're excited about learning how to read, and they need opportunities to do so in a, in a, in a way that is the most scientifically, uh, correct isn't exactly the word, established methods for this to happen. So our program uses synthetic phonics once we start directly teaching children how to read, um, which is a, a way of approaching phonemic uh, development letter by letter instead of in word families, which means that kids can very quickly as they start learning letter sounds, blend them together to make words and unglue them to spell words. So we're committed to that modality. For younger kids, we do a lot of the fundamental work that leads children to be able to do the reading when they're ready to. So there's a lot of auditory tasks, a lot of visual tasks, a lot of things about stories and how stories work. And we dovetail this very, very closely with children's particular interests so that there is always stories to listen to, fiction stories, nonfiction stories, and all of these are interspersed in our pathways. And they are, the, the interest areas are created by the children and their parents themselves when they first enter the app, so that it's an individualized approach to a child's development and to their interests and to their learning. I, it's a very fun app. I love, I'm so glad I found it for my classroom because it's, the, the kids love it. They love it. That's so nice to hear. <laughs> That's what we want, because if you love learning to read, you're likely going to love reading. And a lot of our content, we actually kid tests, bring into schools, put it in front of children before it's developed. So we make sure it's engaging and that the learning goal is actually happening and that children are actually getting um, 
what we want them to be getting out of these lessons and activities. And we're also very proud that we had a, a double-blind study, efficacy study, done by Susan Newman, Professor Susan Newman at New York University, that showed just remarkable gains in a mere six weeks of kids using the program 15 minutes a day. Um, so we're very proud of the fact that we have an outside source saying, yeah, this really works. <laughs> That's always what you want when you develop something like this, right? It's Exactly. And we love hearing from, from parents and from teachers, um, even criticisms, because we can always improve. It's, nothing is perfect. And the, one of the nice things about a digital program, unlike you know, my books, where they're out there and they're not going to change, mm -hmm. the digital program, an idea comes in and we can say, you know something, that's a great thought, that's a great notion, let's, let's see what we can do about that. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the flexibility and living quality of the program is is one of the potentials for a digital world that we didn't used to have in just the print world. Right. I've noticed through the app that there's a lot of stories in there and, and there are a lot of high quality stories in there. Um, so can we talk a little bit about how hearing and telling stories can build the comprehension and fluency in young children? We certainly can. <laughs> um, we believe very strongly that you should not separate learning to read from listening to stories, being a part of stories, being engaged in stories, and understanding the power of stories for you, because that's the way children become readers. Um, in my tutoring practice, the kids I am most concerned about are the ones who can decode fluently, but don't enjoy reading and don't really know what they're reading. They just the words. And those are the kids that didn't hear stories enough, that aren't read to enough, that don't get to make up their own stories enough, that aren't engaged in the world of story and storytelling. So we think it's crucial that kids have that in close proximity with, with the actual skills lessons. Um, there's nothing more powerful for a child, I think, in terms of moving from being a non-reader to a reader, then their love of stories. Uh, when I was a little girl, I remember walking around with a book under my arm because I loved books and I love stories. I couldn't read a word, but I was a reader because I loved books and I could open them up and I could tell you the story from the picture and I would hold them up in front of my dolls and I made a make-believe classroom so that I could read the books to them. So I was a reader long before I could read. And that's why we want strong stories, high quality stories, stories that engage children, stories that excite children about fiction and about nonfiction as being an integral part of our program. Have you um, heard of the app Speakaboos? Yes. So we're actually yeah. the same company. <laughs> <laughs> we have Homer and we have Speakaboos. Um, you know, if you ever, a lot, there are a handful of uh, stories that are in Homer that are speakaboos mm -hmm. stories as well. Um, all of the, basically all the Saturday surprises and a lot of, a handful of the other stories as well. And if you ever had a chance to check out speakaboos, it is um, more of a library and story app. And all of their stories were developed um, with a very strong formative research that really focused on comprehension um, 
and their and so and engagement. So there, a lot of them as well are very high quality stories. It's it's a wonderful mix. The mm-hmm. two programs together form a, a, a lovely point counterpoint to each other. Um, now I have some homework to do to go check out. <laughs> yes, like, well, I like it a lot. And they're all the. The stories that are in Speakaboos um, are a lot of more interactive. So it's more than just you know story being read to you. You're actually able to interact with the story and get deeper comprehension and more story points as you uh, interact with the pages. Mm-hmm. And there are also a number of classic stories like Snowy Day by Jack Ezra Keats, which is just wonderful. So there are several, um, several classic stories there for kids as well as original stories. I I think that's a wonderful thing that you're including is the classic stories and the classic songs and the nursery rhymes. And, and I love that after the kids listen with this to the story in Homer, that there's always a comprehension question afterwards. And I love that you have the kids record their answers and listen back to themselves. I think that's such a creative way to work with the comprehension piece. Yeah. We love that too, because we think expressive language is an integral part of uh, receptive language. So if you can express your thoughts, you can listen to other people's thoughts as well. One of our my co- our coworkers who I sit next to, her nephew, I think he's four, uses Homer regularly, and she listens to his recordings all the time. <laughs> and, you know, she can then talk to him and talk to her sister about what her little nephew has learned. Mm-hmm. Just well, that's the other thing is that the records do allow families to listen, to hear, to be engaged in what their what their family member is doing, which is also an exciting. Because you also know, as a teacher, you can't always be listening to every student at every time and hearing. And this, you know, can give you gives an opportunity to hear about what your student has done after they read a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful <laughs> when you have a class full of kids. That's really. Yeah. <laughs> also, I think that giving children a sense of their own agency, mm-hmm. their voice is heard, their ideas are, you know, are important. And we, we say that to them by saying, give us your ideas. Let us know. I'd love to know what you think. Um, I think that's a very powerful message to send to young children. So we keep that front and center. And kids are natural storytellers. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we're bringing, we're trying to get into their world a little bit and have them experience this through our app as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's so powerful that I don't know if young children always understand that this whole reading and writing thing is about sharing our stories. And so I love that the app brings that out for them, that this is what it's about. This is, this is about sharing with people our thoughts and our feelings and our stories. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think that, you know, one of the things that we know is children know how important it is to learn to read and to write. It's a it's a high status thing in our in our world. So but they don't always understand that it's actually part of who they are. It's not an imposition from the outside, but it's a way for them to share their ideas them to be exposed to ideas, to be exposed to information that build who they are. And it's really through storytelling and through listening to stories and relating to stories and talking about stories that kids begin to get that kind of real 
sensibility about story grammar, about the develop a, a sense of uh, prior knowledge about the world. They are exposed to the classics, which permeate literature later on as well. So like there are archetype characters that show up early on in fairy tales and in folk tales and in nursery rhymes. And the more you understand, the more that becomes a natural part of your world when you're two, three, four, five, six years old, the more you bring to the world of literature as you get older and step out into the world. We know that um, you know, the famous fourth grade slump mm-hmm. is, uh, is, in my experience, I mean, we know that part of that is because kids don't get a strong enough foundation in, in decoding so that up until fourth grade they're able to, or lots of kids are able to manage reading without having a strong ability to decode. Uh, but then vocabulary gets complicated and sentences get longer and if you can't do it automatically, you're in trouble. But I think it's also true that kids who have not been exposed to a lot of literature in the early years don't know how to approach literature when it's suddenly you're not learning to read, you're learning from reading. And that transition is a big one and it's not just about reading skills, it's really also about understanding stories, understanding, having a background of information that you can bring when you are reading any story, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. So that's the power of that. And parents don't have the time to do as much reading to kids as I'm sure they would like and that kids would like. So by providing our dual dual apps, our dual programs of Homer and Speakables, we're giving parents the opportunity to let their kids spend screen time, or teachers letting their kids spend screen time with stories. Mm-hmm. And then when they follow up with a bedtime story or an afternoon story, it's, it is a child who is primed to listen and to love and to want to be hearing stories. So that's really important to us. There are studies done about the, the differences between um, incoming kindergartners, the number of hours some kids have spent listening to stories, and the number of hours other kids have spent. And the span is gigantic. Mm-hmm. So gapping that span for us, giving kids the opportunity to pick up the iPad, the iPhone, the computer, and just sit back and listen to a story. Just be a part of that story world is so important for kids' development. Yeah. And I I know as a teacher, there's so much technology that's available to me in my classroom. It's something that's that's there more and more and more and more. So my struggle isn't, you know, having the technology in the classroom. It's how do I use this technology to its most powerful? You know, what's, what's the most bang for my buck I can get out of this iPad that the district just gave me in my classroom? (laughs) I don't want them just having more screen time. They get plenty of screen time. What can I have them do with this technology that's really going to support what I'm doing in my small group? So I'm so glad to find, when you find something really great, you just have to jump, you know? Well, that's especially wonderful. When, that's really inspiring to right. us. Right. And especially when you see your kids enjoying this content and actually seeing improvements in what they're learning from it or you know, reinforcing the concepts from the classroom. When I was teaching, um, I was in charge of the iPads and technology for the school I was in. So one of my jobs was finding these apps and figuring out and helping the teachers um, 
figure out how to use this best in their classroom. And right when you do find the app that the kids are excited to use and that they're actually learning and it's valuable screen time, it's really something special. And I'm so fortunate that I get to now be creating this content. Let's talk a little bit about vocabulary because that's a big concern for early childhood educators because of that huge vocabulary gap that can make such a difference for kids and their learning. Can you talk a little bit about how hearing stories builds child's vocabulary and the importance of teaching vocabulary? Yes. One of the things that's crucial to us is that we never condescend to children. We don't baby information down. We make it age appropriate but we don't baby it. So our nonfiction um, stories, we make a point of including academic vocabulary, making it intertwined into the story in ways that are natural to storytelling, but nevertheless is there for kids. So we've got kids who pop up and say, you know, oh, you know, that animal's a carnivore. How do you know it's a carnivore? I know it from Homer. So that's, you know, and, and children want that kind of expertise. They want that language that brings them into, you know, I am the one with knowledge and I can surprise you with my knowledge. So on one hand, with, especially with our nonfiction material, we make sure that there's always some academic vocabulary, that there's always the, the, the kind of language that we want kids to become familiar with and conversant with. Um, and in our storytelling, in our fiction storytelling, we also don't back away from some words that are a little more challenging, so long as children are comprehending what those words are because of the context that, in which they're placed. And that's part of why our testing is so valuable, because we can see when that works and when it doesn't, doesn't work, when it needs to be tweaked or changed. But you're right. having Having a strong vocabulary is so consequential for kids' success in reading. It's, it is, um, I see it all the time in my tutoring practice where I will have you know, a child who's smart and who is reading okay, but is at a loss in an ability to comprehend complicated text. And the reason is every fifth word is one they don't know or they're not familiar with, and they can't intuit it from the context of a sentence. So, and then there's another child who struggles with reading, really difficult for them to decode, but their comprehension is incredibly strong. And the reason is they really understand what the story is. They know the vocabulary already. They're suddenly reading. I had a, a, a little girl just... Um, a third grader that I work with, and she struggles with reading. And suddenly the word incredulous came up, and she, she sounded it out. She could sound it out because she had heard and knew that word before from something else. So, so it was like, oh, incredulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you know that? Oh, incredulous. I knew that. So having that kind of ability to be part of, you know, we, learning to read is not natural. We're not born knowing how to learn. It is not a human characteristic. It's something that is only a few thousand years old. The written word and human existence is hundreds of thousands of years old. Mm -hmm. But to be human is to talk. So having language, having verbal language is what it means to be human. And the more sophisticated that language, the more uh, emotionally uh, accessible that language, the more exciting that language is for children the better and the more they can bring that to what's not natural, which is to their reading. Mm -hmm. 
And the same thing with prior knowledge, too, of information, having, you know, just understanding that, you know, if you know that, um, bring something to mind, if you know that hot air goes up and you read about a balloon, you're going to put that information together to say, ah, okay, I can see why the balloon is going up or why steam is going up in the steam kettle. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and the world becomes a richer place for you because you can hook new information into the old information that you have and build a, a stronger uh, base of information. Yeah, and that's so important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, Do you it really thoughts on uh, the vocabulary piece, Michelle? You know, just to echo what Peggy was saying, you know, exposure is so important and to to respect kids and not speak down to them and not try and, you know, to try and incorporate these more advanced concepts in a developmentally appropriate way, but at the same time not try and, you know, baby it or make it or dumb down for kids to really respect them and give them the exposure to these things. Um, and, you know, we can use our stories, especially our Discover the World content and our nonfiction content to really explain these words as opposed to just throwing them in there and not actually giving the explanation. Because, you know, as a teacher, when you're sitting reading a story to a kid, to like a class, you know which words the class isn't going to know. And you're able to then stop the story and ask who knows that word and what does it mean and give that extra um, piece, bit of attention to it. But because we don't have that luxury in digital, really being explicit about vocabulary um, and trying to explain explain it within the story or within the context is so important to keep in mind. And, you know, we really try to um, do that within our storytelling. It's really about scaffolding. In other words, if you're always at the level a child is, is already already exists, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, that's that's okay, and there should be some time where that's what it is. If you are always underneath where a child is, that's okay too sometimes. Just, you know, I'll say to a child, this book is a relaxicizer book. You don't, you know, <laughs> no, no effort. So, and relaxicizer books are great. But then there's also, how do we move from where you are to where you can be without going too far up? So there's the delicate balance between finding that, that zone where a child is going to be stretched, but not stretched too much. So that's always what we're looking for. Um, well, do you have any final thoughts or tips or stories you want to share before we wrap up? Just, you know, for, for all the teachers and parents out there, keep reading to kids, talk about books with them be surprised about what happens in a book with them, share your favorite books. Um, I always encourage parents also to make a reading time at home where they stop and sit down and read too. So it's even with children who don't read, so there's a picture book, and I'm not gonna read to you now because this is family reading time. I've got this magazine I really have to look at, and here's your picture book to look at. And you know, it, it can be just for five minutes, but it says to a child, our family is a reading family who loves stories and books. It's not just something you do because you're a child. This is something that we do because we're a family. So, Do you have any final thoughts, Michelle? Um, you know, just that 
you know, I'm out very excited about what we created Homer and what we, you know, have put into Homer and, you know, reading is such a valuable skill. My mom is a reading teacher. My sister's a teacher. My sister-in-law is a teacher. It's, my family. it's the family business. Um, and to be able to create something that it's going to develop these lifelong readers and life and readers who really love reading is really exciting. And, you know, I'm so glad that Homer really pays the attention to these details, vocabulary, comprehension, and skills that really make it a well-rounded program. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and for what you're doing and for sharing all these important concepts with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. <laughs> we enjoyed it. <laughs> Always fun to talk about children and learning. Yes. Yeah. It's true. It's what we all are interested in, right? <laughs> exactly. What gets us going. <laughs> very much right. So. <laughs> Even more than that cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> right. All you have to do is talk about the brain and reading and we're ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you so much to Peggy and Michelle for being on the podcast and talking about Homer and Speakaboos. And if you want to learn more about us, you can visit us at kindergartenkiosk.com, and you can write to us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com. And please write to us. We get a lot of our best ideas for our podcast from you listeners. Yes, we do. We appreciate the ideas and the suggestions and the feedback. We do. Like someone told us that we were rattling our cords too much. <laughs> <laughs> and we took that feedback and now or, we don't Or that our, our Facebook was making beeing noises in the background. Yeah. So now Lindsay turns turn off, off her Facebook. turn off Facebook before recording. <laughs> so, so, hey, please write us and give us some feedback. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?